0: On. Welcome to Securitas Conversations with Bill and Dan, episode fifty-one for Thursday, August eighteenth, twenty eleven. Uh, we are recording a little early this week because Dan is going away. I'm taking a trip. Where are you going? I'm going
1: to Colorado. Colorado's where the snow is. Uh, I think there's
0: always a little bit of snow at the
1: top of Colorado
0: and the Rockies in the mountains. In the mountains yep. I always love flying into Denver because then you can like look off to the West and it's like perfectly flat to the East, but then to the West is like,
1: yeah, it's true. It's a weird airport too. Um, It's it's kind of like a big tent. Yeah. It's all bunched. It's like tenty and then it's also kind of like they've, they've deliberately like set it aside from the rest of everything. So it's like, you know, there's, I guess there's a couple of service highway roads that lead to it, but they're all like, it feels like it's like. Definitely, like, not attached to anything. Yeah.
0: But although it's funny, because when I first went there years ago, kind of when it more opened, and then I went there more recently, mm-hmm. the sprawl is starting to grow towards the airport. Oh, yeah? So that the airport's not quite as desolate as it had been. Hmm. Interesting. I, I don't know. I believe
1: it. I don't know. There's also, the, I don't know if you heard, there's this uh, There's this sculpture that's sort of, uh, it's near one of the, either the entrance or the exit or something like that. It's this giant... Probably three-story tall uh, sculpture of a horse uh, rearing up, you know, kind of like a, on its on its hind legs. Okay. Uh, and apparently, the story is that uh, I think during the horse's construction or installation, uh, it actually fell and killed the artist. Ooh! Ooh. So maybe it's haunted.
0: There's the ghosts.
1: ghosts. Yeah. So. The ghost horse artist of Denver International Airport.
0: Uh, Did you see a quick little news item that uh, HP is going to spin off its computer business and sort of get out of that stuff, and it's going to stop making its brand new touchpad tablet and the Palm phones?
1: Really? Yep. uh, I'll confess, for the past two days, three days almost, I have had very little time to do any news reading or what have you. I've been... I've, I've been really busy actually working. Um, it's a big deal, though. Yeah, yeah, that does sound like a big deal because um, HP
0: is, I think, the biggest maker of computers in the world. Really, like personal computers. Yeah, like huh. they sell the most. It's I, like I them then sense. Dell, then maybe Apple or Toshiba, then Apple. You know what I mean? Like they're they had like thirty percent of the market. Yeah, but I apparently they want to. They, they I think that what they want to do is sort of go more in the direction of IBM. Oh,
1: and, and do services. become like a services yeah.
0: like big. Big Iron kind of company. I
1: think that worked for IBM. Oh, worked know. great I, for IBM. Yeah, I think they're you know. still. You know, they've retained their whatever you want to call yeah. it, their brand value the th- and. The
0: thing you. is, that HP computers never had the cachet that I, I mean, the ThinkPads. Yeah, those they had definitely. a following, and they still do because the Absolutely. people who are making them still make them. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so anyway, it'll be interesting to see, but it's kind of funny because they put out that touchpad like literally weeks ago. It was like in the middle of July
1: yeah and and like okay we give up
0: four weeks later they literally are are canning the entire product line so i guess what they're going to try to do is uh license palm os to other people no which could work because apparently the uh that os is pretty impressive
1: well i would from what little i've seen outside of my little ios bubble uh the the only alternative to it that would be that would be remotely appealing would be the web os
0: yeah. It's supposed to, it's supposed to be very nice. It just needs better hardware. So maybe they'll start selling that. Anyway, yeah. just yeah. an interesting little thing that happened today. Interesting. Um, so today I was hanging out with our friend Claude mm-hmm. and, uh, Hi, Claude. he's not here
1: anymore. No, no. He's listening now. Hi. Oh, he is Hi, yeah, Claude. probably. Hi, Claude. Hi.
0: Uh, and Claude and I were doing some work with uh, final cut pro 10.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah.
0: On your computer. Uh, On my computer, on his computer, on trying to go from one computer to the other computer. Did you put it on the Air? uh, I didn't put it on the Air, although the Air would probably run it fine. Yeah, I've heard good things about it.
1: I'm just curious.
0: The Air, however, I will say, I I picked it up, I unplugged it, I brought it to Claude's, I fussed with it for hours, Uh and by the time I got home, it still had 53% of its battery left.
1: (laughs) That's, That's awesome.
0: It's really impressive. Anyway... So the reason I bring this up is because of with video stuff, media management becomes a nightmare or can become a nightmare.
1: I think it's always a nightmare
0: because you have your project files, which sure. point to actual video files. But then sure. some people say, well, you don't want them to point to video files. You want them pointing to pointers, which point to video files, because then you can move the pointer. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course. You, you, no, you can, it's, a, it's a it's a, fun, fun, big old mess, like literally a logistical nightmare. Absolutely. Um so we brought the wrong files or we didn't get it hooked up right anyway so we finally figured out how it all works. Mm-hmm. Um but that got me thinking about how people do their own files for photo stuff too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know the you you come home from a shoot uh what do you do? Like what what do you do? Me? Yeah. No, with your well, photos. I, me, first you, of
1: all, I'm not anywhere as near a prolific or frequent shooter as you or Anyone else we know? Yeah, but uh, you have I,
0: en- I, you have enough pictures that you have to keep track of them. I do. So my, what's your system?
1: It's very basic. Uh, I ha- I basically have I use Lightroom with with my camera for the most part. Uh,
0: what about Aperture, by the way?
1: What about it? All I do right, not, I don't use it. Were you ever point. a fan? I gave it a shot when Aperture three came out. It it definitely raised my eyebrows. I was definitely impressed with it. Um, but once I started trying actually do the kind of stuff that I like would regularly do in Lightroom I found that like all almost all of the controls were there in different order and had slightly different names and stuff and actually there was you know I could see myself getting getting the hang of it if like if aperture was all there was I think I'd be okay with it yeah um but there were some things about it that just rubbed me the wrong way as far as its overall handling and performance and this could have been just the fact that i was using it on an older Macbook yeah. Pro without a SSD without you know a, a ton of ram you know it, it might have just been
0: I feel Ill, like the, the heads-up display thing on on Aperture always kind of it not confused me, but I just didn't like it. It felt all over the place. That, could, know, all, that could
1: also be because you're not as you know uh, comfortable with Apple general Apple user interface stuff. Yeah, and but that, that's I don't think that cutting you, edge. You know, yeah, that's but
0: like, th- that's actually, but that's the thing. It didn't feel like Apple user interface. It felt like them going off. Um, that's, to some that's other I mean. new thing.
1: It's newish. Yeah, it's like it's it's the latest. It's the most you know. Whatever you want to call it, uh, Maverick, if you will, yeah. you know of the Apple interface design and style, and some of that stuff doesn't some of that stuff. doesn't sit right with me either. I mean, I don't I don't like it. Let me put it this way: if, if I had to give an official stance on the whole Aperture uh, versus Lightroom thing, I would say they are both pretty fine products. Um, I I think uh, Lightroom makes more sense to me, and as long as it's around, I will choose it. But if 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 Aperture was all there was. Like, for example, Photoshop, you know, Photoshop sure. is pretty much all there is. And if that were, if Aperture were that, I would be okay with that.
0: It, I, it, it would ruin my day. I agree. I mean, I, I like the idea in Aperture, supposedly, um, you know, you're editing, like editing and browsing are sort of one big thing. It's not like they're separate modules like they are in Lightroom. Yeah. And uh, then
1: there's other, the only, there are, I mean, if we wanted to get into
0: this, there's are some other, guess.
1: yeah. And there's other quips, there's other weird little things that, that Aperture does. And this is more of an Apple thing. Um... That kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit as far as the way it, it Apple uses nifty little finder tricks like, you know, making giant packages, you know, like,
0: okay. yeah, I was about to bring that up. Now, it yeah. used to be that, yeah, it would copy all of your images into, into your vault or whatever the yeah. hell they
1: call it. And and I get it. I mean, from a file management standpoint, as far as the finder is concerned and the, and, the, and the hard drive directory is concerned that stuff is technically healthier and more convenient and less less prone
0: to errors scare, scares the crap out of me. yeah, I understand. And, and it mostly because my stuff is on my hard drive in such a way that if my Lightroom catalog files completely go to hell, right? Like get lost or deleted or whatever it is, it doesn't matter. I just import all my files and it's all there. Like the, 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 my Lightroom catalog file doesn't hold any data. Mm-hmm. other than pointers to all the files on my hard drive which i put there and then point lightroom to you know mm-hmm. totally um so i know where things are the idea that like aperture has some sort of thing and it's like well aperture could have bugs and it could put stuff in weird places or overwrite stuff or who knows what things could go wrong you know like the whole <laughs> yeah. it's the whole corrupt database fear i hear you and i and, I, and that's one thing and i i thought that it, the, for the first couple versions it really was very proprietary and then they sort of opened it up to where you could use it more like Lightroom. Is that not true? I you know, I, I don't have enough experience
1: you know, enough hours logged with it to, to really answer it thoroughly properly. Yeah. Anyway, that, uh,
0: that's the thing that always scared me. Yeah.
1: So anyway, just to answer your question. Sure. So I, I, I take my cards out and I pop them into the card reader connected to my Mac pro running Lightroom. And I basically uh, use the standard Lightroom import dialog um, and do you not, rename, I don't do any renaming. Um, but what I do do is I, I do specify, uh, an import folder and I, I basically let Lightroom do it sort of, you know, year based, you know, it's, it's mostly the default setting. Okay, so
0: you just let it do it kind of based on date.
1: Um, so I, yeah, I, I'll create a folder that is named with the date and then, uh, a little tag that's, you know, relevant to me as far as the name of the, of right. the shooter shot or whatever it
0: is. And that's pretty much it. So if you have to find something, you either have to remember when the date is or do some kind of search for that little tag.
1: Yeah. Well, again, I only, I only, I don't shoot anywhere near enough, so I pretty much know where everything is
0: pretty quickly. Right. Okay. Um, yeah, you know, it got me thinking cause, uh, well here, let me just give a rundown of how I do it first. Um, I take my cards, I put them in, I, I didn't used to use the Lightroom dialogue. I used to dump everything into the folder I wanted it, like in Finder and Windows mm-hmm. Explorer and then point. Lightroom to that folder. Sure. Sure. Um, The the import dialog in Lightroom 3 makes more sense to me than the old ones did, and it's a little more flexible. Sure. Um, So I now use it, and I rename it. And I I rename everything, the date, backwards. So today would be 110818. Yeah, I do that too. Okay. Uh, 110818 underscore, you know, cookie puss, if I was taking pictures of cookie puss. Um, Mm Yeah uh and i put them on my hard drive i have folders on my photo drives i have a a client shoots folder i have a people folder i have a folder for projects so even though Drabbles were uh, a project or uh, people, pictures of people there. There's a folder inside of projects called Drabbles. And inside yeah. of that has a dang God has been folder, which has sure. your pictures in it. Sure. So I can, I can, my whole thing is very hierarchical. I can um, tell. And it's kind of funny though, because in some ways I don't really need to put the date on there. Cause the, the, the created date in the metadata is never going to change. That's a good point. And so it's kind of, it's, it's a little silly that I even bother putting the date. Well, there's one um, reason why you would do that. If you
1: lead your folder, if you lead the name
0: with the date,
1: it'll go in chronological order, like alphabetical order. Uh, oh, that's
0: a good point. Yeah. yeah. But, so then, but, so then but I don't do sorting
1: it, in the finder that way than that.
0: Yeah. Varies. But I don't do the folders. Like if I have, um, if I, let's say I took a bunch of shoots of you, right. Mm-hmm. Or Heather, let's say Heather. Cause I've taken a tons of stuff of her. Sure. Um, there will be a Heather Conrad folder in the people folder and inside the Heather Conrad folder will be dates. Mm-hmm. so not each each one of those wouldn't be 110818 heather conrad that would just be 110818 because i'm already inside of the heather conrad folder you know what i mean oh, so yeah i got
1: gotcha. you i got gotcha. you in,
0: in that case you're right then the dates go in chronological order so there is help for that
1: yeah. um that's, but that's i mean that's the main yeah. argument i would make for 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 naming things that, that with with the date in the name as long as you lead with the name then you're then, then that actually you get that yeah. benefit
0: Uh, and, and I will tell you one of the big advantages of digital photography that most people don't ever think about is the Mm. fact that there is all that metadata built in by the camera, you know? It's true. Yeah. It's huge. And then shutter speed, speed,
1: aperture, all that kind of stuff. And that, that is totally spotlightable too, you know? Oh yeah. Do you, do
0: you ever search in Lightroom based on lens? Say, show me every picture I've taken with this lens across Uh, the entire catalog. I've never done that. No. It's kind of cool. So you could say, oh, show me all these pictures I took with this lens that I don't own anymore or whatever it is.
1: That that does sound like fun.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it it actually is kind of neat. Or Mm -hmm. show me everything that I took with that lens at 1600 ISO. Yeah, I I was going to say, you could probably show me everything that I've shot at (laughs) f2.8. Oh, yeah. No, you could totally do it by aperture. So you could do it. Yeah, you could do all that kind of stuff, Um, which is actually cooler than you think it is. And sometimes um, I remember seeing uh online sometimes you'll see uh the metadata and like Flickr and stuff and somebody'll have some film stuff up there and it'll be like shutter speed and aperture unknown you know unknown. and it's kind of like it's like that information just got lost in the mist who knows um, yeah and
1: that's a, you know there's a bunch of uh you know I'm sure you're hip to the iphoneography scene mm-hmm. people who use their iPhones as their primary cameras which honestly I'm slowly but surely joining the ranks of yeah um, i mean for little stuff it's fine yeah it's great um, um but the lo- but there's a there's a And, you know, a constant battle, um, among the different apps, um, that don't carry that data over. That's really frustrating.
0: Yeah. You know, Um, uh, now you shoot raw, uh,
1: pretty much most of the time. It it depends on what I'm shooting. If I'm, if I'm doing like, uh, stuff for eBay or stuff that I know is never going to be printed or stuff that's just really quick, uh, or a bunch of like, I I don't know, I, I, yeah, seventy five percent of the time I shoot raw.
0: Do you ever shoot raw and JPEG?
1: Uh, only if I'm asked to. Sometimes okay. I've been on a job or two where they've asked for that.
0: Um, I shoot raw. I have for years now, mm-hmm. and then I'll de- one of the- my default, my default will be to
1: raw. Okay, just, just to put it out there. I mean, it's not like I I like JPEG more than raw. I think raw is a much more flexible format. It's just so darn big.
0: Well, I mean, the interesting thing about raw is that, for example, I have pictures from my original digital rebel. Six megapixel camera from two thousand and four. Uh huh. For example, pictures I took on a big trip out west with my father, and they're all raw files that I've converted to DNG, which we'll get to in a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but the nice thing about it is that, like the in Lightroom three, you know they updated the raw engine.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that you can make so, it look even nicer.
0: Well, that's the thing is that I yeah. can go back and reprocess these photos that you know, had I shot JPEG, they'd just be what they were. And I can actually pull more out of them and do better noise reduction and you no, know totally. all kinds of things. Of course, sure. Uh, so it's it's funny. It's it, they really are sort of digital negatives. Um, yeah, it's just
1: like you know someone like Kodak came out with this new developer that's capable of you know yeah, uh, and you could go know, back and actually redevelop and film yeah.
0: that's already been developed. It's it's really kind of neat stuff. Yeah. Um, I understand that it's for somebody who's a. Wedding shooter, that kind of stuff. Like, I can understand the workflow slowing you down. Actually, you no, know, we're a little off shoot on our that way.
1: analogy. Technically, you can't reshoot the negative, but you can reprint it. So reprocess it's it. Is it's what like, you're it's doing. Like, so, like, yeah, no, well, no, it's like printing. So, so what happens is the negative is the same. You know, the file that came out of that camera is not changing. But you're the print. You know, if we're if to make the analogy like the raw file is the film that was in the camera and then when you take it into lightroom it's like taking your film into the darkroom and sticking it in an enlarger and then your processing process is like you're making a print right yeah so, see i
0: i would i would liken it to the, the 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 raw images in the camera in lightroom what you're doing is basically Oh, like the what you're, is, the, yeah. is the chemistry I got is you. the chemistry to, to make the film into negatives.
1: Yeah. See, I don't, I, I'm not, I'm going to stick with mine. I like mine better. because, okay. because technically that's, you know, that's really what you're doing. You're, you're sweetening, you're fine tuning the image. Like, like the, the file that came out of the camera is never going to change. Just like the negative is never going to, the, the thing, the, the piece of plastic that was exposed to light it's never going to change.
0: Yeah, you know? no, no, no. But like using different developers and things, you actually can affect how that turns into a negative. It's, it's developed. You know, you can't redevelop. You can't redevelop developed
1: film. You know, that's right, just, right, right, right. Once you've once you've exposed the well, the, the film to the chemicals,
0: that's it. It's right. done. My point is that like with digital, you can go back and redo that. Basically, you can start with what came out of the camera and actually. Start from there again. But do you see what I'm saying,
1: though, right, dude? I understand what you're saying. Okay, so so anyway, the point is uh, my, for for this analogy, sure. just to just to finish it up, it, it you know, it's it's as if like Kodak came out with a new kind of paper with a new kind of chemistry to make it look a certain way, a better sure. way. Sure, that's what I'm saying. So that's, yeah. that's 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 that would be how I explain it.
0: Um, and and so raw files are really cool. The thing is, is that raw files uh, for most cameras are a proprietary format so the raw files for my digital rebel are these i don't even know they weren't cr2 i don't know what the hell they were originally crw maybe mm. yeah and then uh starting with like the 5d they started to be cr2 files mm-hmm. uh, were the nikon ones always nef as far as i
1: can remember okay Although most, actually nikons have always almost almost always been able to shoot tiffs if you can believe that
0: your camera can shoot tiffs i think so interesting i remember
1: my d my d70 could I'm I'm one of my fuck my uh my Pixie my, my uh, what's it called the Coolpix five thousand from like the year two thousand um, could do it interesting yeah. well I mean well, I'll like get into meg- that in a second too meg- because I have
0: something to say about that um uh-huh. so but then the the so these raw files are all these proprietary formats that things like Adobe when they want to the new camera comes out, they have to you have to wait for Adobe to update the RAW plugin right. with the new camera stuff. Right. Uh, one nice thing that I what I do is actually I convert all of my Canon RAW files to the Adobe DNG RAW format. The digital
1: um, negative as they, as they
0: yeah. call it or which, I call them dings. Which I think it's funny. <laughs> I trust more than Canon because uh, I don't know how long Adobe will support files from my Digital Rebel trip with my dad. Sure,
1: but a DNG is a but a
0: DNG is yeah. a, is a public file format that they like put out the specs for, and it's all yeah. based on the TIFF standard and all and there, the rest of it.
1: And there are cameras that shoot DNG.
0: Yes, there are a few cameras that shoot DNG, and I figure I think that all cameras should shoot DNG, but that's just my own thing. Um, One nice thing about it is that they're actually slightly smaller, because the data in it, they use lossless compression. They basically zip the data inside of them. Neat. So, like, um, when I first switched, I had about a terabyte worth of images, Mm -hmm. and after I converted them all to DNG, which took, like, two days, Mm -hmm. um, I had, it was only 800 gigabytes worth of images. Neat. So they're actually smaller. Uh, And another advantage is that the XMP metadata file, like the sidecar metadata files, Mm -hmm. uh, are internal. So you don't have two files for every image. You just have the one file for every image, Um, which is nice because then you don't have piles of files all over the place. Piles Um, of files. uh, So I actually convert to DNG on import now. Unless I'm on my laptop because then I don't want to just just sit there and let it crank. Yeah, I You know,
1: if I ever got to the point where I did volume uh near you near what you do uh, i would probably consider that
0: yeah it's uh, like i i feel like if you're using um just the proprietary raw formats uh, and you're using uh lightroom or actually if you're using even aperture because aperture can i'm sure can use dngs um i i just think that like if going forward i think it's probably a safer bet than some proprietary canon format I i
1: think it's a smart move
0: yeah. Um, so anyway, I have all those things on there, uh, these DNG format, and then I, you know, I work from there and then I'll create PSDs on the stuff that I'm actually going to work on. So then I end up with a Photoshop document, uh, which I then, when I'm done with it, I export out as a flat JPEG and I keep in like this archive that I put up on the cloud mm-hmm. so that God forbid my house burns down, mm-hmm. I still have a high-res copy of all the things I care about. Mm-hmm. Um, but so file formats, here's, here's a good thing. hmm couple years ago actually it wasn't about a year about a year ago mm. i wrote i wrote a blog post about oh, right, for sure. uh, tiff versus jpeg um it's funny i when i do work for magazines <laughs> the the smaller magazines want tiffs mm-hmm. the big magazines want, want jpegs, JPEGs. It's kind of like the the small ones are still kind of like wrapped up in 1995 technology and yeah, they're, they're just like all Quark all say, uses a TIFF and that's what I have to import. Cause, <laughs> you heard I mean, that Quark was... is gone
1: now, right? Like that company like basically folded and got sold off. and
0: Did they not... stop making it?
1: I th- I don't, well, I don't know if they stopped making it, but the guy, well, it changed hands twice. The, the, the old glory days of Quark were when they got, there they was a company actually, I think it was based in Denver. Um, that made the original quark that we all kind of grew up with and knew and love. And then slowly, but surely, I think once they started making it for windows, I think actually it started the, the rift began when they started making it for power PC, you know, for, I think it was 4.0. Sure. Um, and they started farming out pro programming to India and then they farmed out support to India. And the next thing you know, they just became this weird, like Indian company.
0: <laughs> well, quark express nine got five mice from Mac user magazine. Really? Uh, but I think InDesign kind of has beat them up a lot. Their um,
1: lunch has definitely been eaten, yeah. so to speak. Um,
0: there was a time where Quark was like just hopelessly behind. Uh, I don't, I, you know, I, I I switched to InDesign because when I started doing that kind of work, InDesign had just come out, and I was like, you know what? If I'm in all these Adobe apps anyway, yeah, yeah, might yeah. as well just stay over there. Um, anyway, but so yeah, these sorry. magazines, yeah, they want TIFFs or they want JPEGs, and there are people who say I'm going to save it as TIFF because you know. TIFF is lossless, and you know JPEGs are lossless and you're losing information, mm-hmm. and that is technically true, one hundred percent true. Yeah. However, mm. JPEG compression is really good if you if you if you're using a high quality JPEG. Yeah, like, anything over uh,
1: eighty or eighty five.
0: Yeah, eighty five out of yeah. hundred. Yeah. Um. I I took a I took an image, uh, uncompressed TIFF. Uh huh. I then made a copy of it, converted it into a JPEG at 85%, uh-huh. and then overlaid the two in Photoshop and then had the top one do a a, a, blend, a layer blend uh-huh. mode for difference uh-huh. just to see like, and it would show like what was different. And it was completely black because it uh-huh. was I- identical. Nice. I, then, I then put a uh, adjustment layer over the top of it and mm-hmm. then cranked up the contrast, like pulled up the shadows to like mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. as high as I could. And sure. there was like, a little bit of noise, like a right. little bit of like, you know, but I'm not like giant tiles or patches or,
1: you know, like traditional can, <laughs> can I, have you ever actually made like super low res? Oh, like yeah, just yeah, sure. You can, you can get those.
0: You can get really blocky JPEGs. And if you're if you compress a JPEG over and over and over and over and yeah. over again, yeah, yeah, eventually yeah, yeah. it'll look bad. But That's you can awesome. take a JPEG and edit it and save it at high quality and edit that and save it at high quality. You're not going to notice for a number of steps like JPEGs are a lot better than people give them credit for. Um, totally, man.
1: Totally. And I think JPEGs are a lot like MP3s in a way, you know, or, or not maybe not MP3s, but like AAC files. Well, well, no,
0: It's a good example because it yeah. is like an AAC file or an MP3, just to make it easy. Uh, if you if you do it at high enough compression, if you do 320 kilobit MP3s or VBR highest, they're, yeah, they're going to be like. I mean, I wouldn't say that they're identical. No, but you're
1: getting you're getting 85. But you would n- you
0: would never good... notice. Like, especially like in a print, that's not huge, even a print yeah. that was huge. Like yeah. you're not going to see any JPEG artifacting when you're at 85 or 90%. It's just right. not true. So I did the experiment. So anyway, mm-hmm. the point is, is that for the purists who say, you know, oh, I will do everything in TIFF cause it's lossless. Now there are other advantages to TIFF. You can do 16 bit color channels, which mm-hmm. I do a lot of my stuff in 16 bit PSDs. And so I use, you know, I understand, um, But for a final image that's going to be flattened and printed out or whatever, Mm -hmm. 8-bit, JPEG, high quality is Mm -hmm. fine. Totally. Um, So anyway, that's an interesting thing. And some people say, well, yeah, but you still use – yes, I do still use PSDs for my layered documents, which are lossless. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just – that's just because I do a lot to my images and I want to keep the layers.
1: So, hey, you want to talk a little bit about why 16-bit is better and what the benefits are? Because sure. you, a bunch of people don't know.
0: Uh, um, yeah. So all these files are made up of, of three channels of information, usually. Well, if, it's, if they're normal files out of your camera. Uh, the red, green, and blue channels. So there's, <laughs> like, all the information in red, all the information in green, and all the information in blue. RGB. Yep. Now, each pixel is it has a certain amount of luminance data. It's, like, how bright that pixel is in that spot on the red channel, on the blue channel, or on the green channel. Exactly. Uh, now the the question is how that date how that brightness is kept. Um, if if you are using a regular eight bit file, which is what most all JPEGs and that kind of thing are, mm-hmm. um, there are two hundred fifty six different levels of brightness for each little pixel in each channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it goes from zero black to two fifty five white, mm-hmm. um, and anywhere in between. Now mm-hmm. that seems like there's a whole lot of stuff in there. However, uh, it's not quite linear. So if you start messing around with things by doing a lot of levels and curves and all this kind of stuff and contrast, Mm -hmm. um, there are times when you can push it so that two levels that were right next to each other kind of blend into one. Mm Uh, and, and you get some really nasty, Uh, polarizing in your image. Uh, Mm. You actually have to push it pretty far for that to happen, but Mm -hmm. it it is possible. Mm -hmm. Um, So what 16 bit files do is instead of using eight bits to save it, uh, save this information, which is only 256 uh, they use 16 bits to, to save it, which you think would be 512. No, uh, but it's not. I was just about to look at how many it is. What is it? Is it six thirty-two thousand? 32,000? Something like that. Yeah. It's, Um, it's, It's thousands. Yeah. So, so basically your, your orders of magnitude more information per pixel per channel, um, of, of luminance information, which means that you, your, your images are much more malleable, uh, in, in post. And if people have seen my work, you'll know that, you know, a lot of my pictures, I'm messing around with the shadows a lot. Um, and when it comes to images and the way the stuff is stored, uh, there's, there are less, uh, levels of 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 the 256 levels in an in a 8-bit file, uh, very few of them are actually used for the shadows. It's sort of halves down. So, like, the first half of them are used for the first stop in the highlights and and, and so-and-so down. So mm-hmm. that by the time you get into the shadows, there may be only 16 levels or 32 levels uh, of, of data in there. So when you pull it up and do all kinds of curves, it just gets crunchy down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if you take your sixteen your raw files and save them as eight bit files, you're you're kind of throwing out information right off the bat. Right. Um, used to be that cameras, the raw files, and the cameras were twelve bits per channel, approximately.
1: Well, it depends uh, on the camera.
0: Yeah. Well, I was going to say that it used to be about twelve. Mine now is fourteen. I think probably the 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 Nikon's are probably fourteen bit too. I think
1: the Um, D3X does 14. I think it actually, there's a flip, there's a switch where you can do, tell it to do 12 or 14. I think the D3 is, might be 12. I think it just does 12.
0: Yeah. Um, And one of the weird, not weird, but sort of slightly, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Quirky? No, fancy (laughs) features of, of like the medium format backs is that they're actually 16 bits of data per, per channel. It's true. Uh, so, Uh, all of this figure,
1: well, hell the files, this big anyway, we might as well capture it all.
0: Yeah. So, (laughs) so, so the, the practical upshot is that if you're editing a lot, you can work in 16 bits and sometimes it can help you save you because there's more information to to play with. It's a little more, it's a little more malleable. The data, Mm -hmm. um, the, the downside of course, is that 16 bit files are bigger. Mm hmm other uh, a t- bigger, especially twice start as big. monkey with them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this all kind of leads me to what I was, I was going to tell a quick story. I, I was working on these pictures for this hot mess, my friend, Amy, mm-hmm. and, uh, the, the main pictures were, uh, we took here at the studio a couple weeks ago and I'm going to do a blog post about it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I worked on these pictures of these girls and then I took it. And I dropped it onto a background that I found, and I did this big composite. And uh, I've been using that plugin that we talked about a few months ago mm-hmm. that uh, makes it so it doesn't compress PSDs. Right. What's right. it called again? Uh, the, uh, the, the not no use... flate, don't flate, or oh, yeah, something like that. Right. Um, basically, uh, PSD files uh, have data compression in them, so they're smaller. Uh, like they're kind of zip themselves inside right. uh, when they save them. But when you're working with files that are a gigabyte, right. the saving of that data can take 30 seconds or a minute. And if you're working, you're working, you're working, you go, oh, I want to save my work. And then you got to sit there for a minute and wait for it to save. It's kind of a pain in the neck. Well, and the um, reason
1: why is because that it's an old, it's a legacy programming issue. The That save routine is so old that it wasn't optimized to run on
0: multi-core machines. Yeah, it's so. completely single-threaded. Exactly. Uh, so, you know, I was even, tr- I was thinking about it though. I wonder if the, it could be that it's not that they, it might be not that they don't want to make it multi-threaded, but that the PSD, the way it compresses it, whatever process it uses to compress it, mm-hmm. can't be done in batches. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? That like <laughs> each pixel depends on the pixels before it in some way, you know what I mean? What what mean? Some yeah, kind yeah, of thing. It could,
1: it could be that. Or, so, or it could also be some other, like where that routine is so deeply embedded into you know, application code that has been, you know, you know, it's like trying to dig up the foundation, you know, yeah, it's like, it, well, we it could be, yeah. we know there's a leak, but we can't fix it. So we're yeah. just going to work around it. Kind
0: uh, of. So basically uh, to save files, having a faster computer, even more cores doesn't really help. A faster processor can help, but like having a lot of cores doesn't help. Having a fast hard drive doesn't really change much. Um, it really comes down to just waiting and, and whatever. So Adobe a few months ago, as we talked about months ago, put out a plugin that makes it so it turns off this compression. So it saves it completely uncompressed. Like you were saving an uncompressed TIFF out to the disc. The files end up being a lot bigger, but they save in 10 seconds instead of 30 seconds. And I'm willing to make this trade off because I like to work and then save. And I don't want to get off what I was doing. So I've been working on this picture and I go to save it the other day and it says, I'm sorry, I can't save your file. It's greater than two gigabytes in size. Jesus. Jesus. Uh, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Are you
1: sure? now you're sure that's not
0: a uh, directory formatting issue. Like an no, HFS or there, there's a there's PSD a maximum stuff. file size for PSD. Really? It's, yeah, two gigabytes. No way. Yeah.
1: What about the, what about the? It's
0: thirty thousand pixels in each direction. Is is oh. also like a limit? And then it's three. Feel, it's th- it's two gigabytes. Well, here's the thing. Uh-huh. So. Adobe put out, came up with a new file format that they added back in the original Photoshop CS Uh called PSB Photoshop big as opposed to Photoshop document. Nice. Now these things can be up to 300,000 pixels in each dimension and have like a 14 terabyte size, whatever. Right. Boom. They're huge. They're fantastic. And this non-flate plugin also works for PSBs. Fantastic. So all I got to do is save it as a PSB. Nice fine right it's perfect right yeah huge butt, which Uh is a really frustrating but Uh lightroom does not catalog psb files Uh so they don't show up in there so if i have all these pictures the raw pictures and i have like little partial edits of parts of it that are psds and they all show up in there but the final image doesn't show up in there Uh so i have to remember that oh the final image was a psb and go into finder and find it in the folder yeah, yeah. Oh, it, seems, what, it seems like a really big oversight anyway, by Adobe. I hear what you're saying.
1: And, 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 but here's the thing, what we're talking, man. What you're talking is about is a, a software feature. It's not a hardware limitation. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's reasonable to assume that that could get addressed and fixed and resolved in like two seconds. Yeah, but
0: it seems... But we're on level three of... You know, we're in we're in uh you know version three of Lightroom and it just it just seems like a weird oversight, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah it, does. it does. Lightroom also I don't think or it didn't for a long time, maybe three does, it didn't catalog CMYK files either. Like
1: hmm. I guess, which that, is, I guess that makes a little bit of sense.
0: But if you were a guy who was doing a lot of print stuff, yeah, yeah. you'd have lots of CMYK files. It just it, they just seem like weird sort of arbitrary spots, holes in it. So anyway, yeah, yeah. the practical upshot is you can use PSB. <laughs> if these files get big, right? right. Uh, but you have to remember where it was because it's not going to remember for you. No, no just random, random question. Random question. Um, 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 you're you're, you're in all this, in all No, this is in Snow Leopard. Okay. Okay. Uh, what happens? What when happens when you, you, when you try to
1: quick, try to quick look, quick look? One
0: of those files, files, space. space, space, uh, space uh, right. I can uh, do that. Hold on a second. Yeah, here's Hot Mess Three. And here's the giant PSB file. And I hit, yeah, it shows up. Okay. okay. But interesting, interesting. these also have uh, previews in them probably, right? So it's not actually opening the file. It's just looking at the little previews. Right, it's probably right the metadata. So That proves that, that, that not, you know, it's not,
1: it's it's not, not obviously something, something
0: like, like reinforcing what you said, what you said essentially, essentially. Yeah. And by the way, the the last PSD that I was able to save was 1.96 gigabytes. Mm-hmm the PSB that I finally got to save was 3.32 gigabytes and uh, is is a really big file, but it's only like 25 layers. Huh, only 25? I mean, only I fl- flattened a lot. Well, and some of them are, are uh, adjustment layers and that kind of stuff. Okay, I hear you. But I was just... Added, like pixels. They're not a lot of data, but, the, but then the masks in the adjustment layers sure. are data in themselves, you know. Sure. So, I mean, I understand, but it still doesn't feel like it's that big because it's not that big it's like 4500 pixels by 4500 pixels that's, that's big dude that's 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 a big file it's 20 megabytes or 20 giga- uh 20 megabytes or 20 megapixels
1: i you know i'm just saying it's big
0: i mean it's big but it's no bigger than my regular files oh, i know I- anyway so this is all to say file formats dng go for it if you can with the raw uh i like that don't flate compress plugin. Uh, although when you hit that wall, you got to do the PSBs, which don't show up in Lightroom, which is annoying. All right. I hear you. That's all I have to say. Okay.
1: That's (laughs) fine.
0: I know that was a lot of whatever for whatever, but right. Right. I don't know. It's satisfying. Good for you. The nerd, the nerds out there will like it. Sure. One or two of them anyway, at the very least. (laughs) Um, but you know, it, it does beg the question, like how do people deal with so many files? I mean, like your friend, um, what's his name? Uh, uh, why can't I think of your friend's name, who is my friend too? Are talking about Kent? Kent, there you go. Kent has drawers full of drives. Yeah, man.
1: He, he, full he of never images. throws anything away. He has jillions of pictures. I don't know how I mean, he
0: to, does it. To a point where, like, I mean, is, is he just like a pack
1: rat? I, I don't know. Like a digital pack rat? We never really talked about it. I can't really, uh... I can't really shed any light on that. You know who actually made be a better person to ask would be Claude, because Claude spends a lot more time with Kent than I yeah, do. Yeah,
0: I just... I wonder if I wonder if it... I mean, he... I asked him about it once, and he said that, like, oh, I got to keep him because, you know, my client might need them someday, and he has this big client. Well, and it's kind of like... Do you really think that somebody's going to come back three years from now and ask for, like, a B-roll piece of picture that you didn't even give them in the first... You know what I mean? Well, I, I know what you mean, but I, at the same time, I, I kind of understand that
1: mentality where it's like, how much is it really costing you, and... If the like I, the the only example I can think of is like let's say you you were you know you're shooting this Michael Jackson concert and you know you got all these these shots and you know, sure there's 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 a bunch of clunkers but there's a couple of winners but let's say somebody really wants one of those clunkers you know and it's and it's worth like you know ten grand all of a sudden now that Michael Jackson just died yesterday you know yeah sure and so I, I don't know I mean I, I think that's the that's the the mentality or that's the thought it's like yeah but how does he know. find it well there well there you go he actually I think he has a really. Um, well thought out naming system. I know he keywords the crap out of everything, and he okay. Uses- well, there's a question. Do you
0: keyword stuff?
1: Nah, I don't shoot anything, dude. I, compared to you guys, I shoot like once a month. I mean, I, my it's- I don't have anywhere near the volume that you guys do. So I don't really. It doesn't. It
0: hasn't come up. I, the it come the up. idea of the idea of keywording stuff is just mind-blowingly complex to me like i come back with a bunch of stuff i'm supposed to say this one is well, you, picture you, has sky to, in it and it's to a understand road and
1: the concept man i mean there are a lot of photographers out there professional working photographers who do a bunch of other things with their photos that you do uh yeah, and, no i and, understand and, and, and so let's look at kent for a second um one of the things that kent does is he he works for um a press agency or something like that some yep. so he works for a company that basically says hey Go to this concert and get as many pictures of these guys as you can, and as soon as you can, come home and post them so that we can try to sell them to tabloids or newspapers or magazines or who, you know whoever the hell wants it as fast as possible. Sure. Um, and that's a game. It's like a, there's a whole scene of people who do that, and the better your keywording is – because now you're gaming the system. You're basically trying to attract – you know, the people who are going to buy these no, images I understand. From
0: keywording stuff on, on like a stock system. No, I understand exactly. that. But I mean, but keywording stuff like, because p- when you're importing in Lightroom, you can <coughs> keyword stuff too, which just seems like a really daunting job to me. Yeah, I don't know. I guess so. Like I've never, you know, I always feel like, okay, I can keyword this stuff, but am I actually going to be searching for this with the same keyword? I think that I should be tagging with now, you know, well, <laughs> like you say it now. If I say, I mean, how do you yeah. know? I mean, how do you know?
1: You know, that's the, that's the thing. Who knows what you're going to be thinking five, ten years from now? You're going to, yeah, you're going to say, just... "Man, I sure wish I keyworded all that shit." <laughs> you know, it's like I mean, you can you can uh, make make an analogy to well, uh, to like putting an ad- additional like line of information, like sure. uh, like let's say um, you were shooting rolls and rolls and rolls of film. Like, take your old pal Jay Mizell for a second and look at his <laughs> look at his keywording system. What was he? He used colored markers on the on the on the sides of. His slides, yeah, on the edge, you know? you know. the slides.
0: So uh, no, you're right. And the other day, I was working on a composite, and I needed a picture of the sky. And I'm like, I gotta have a picture of a sky somewhere around here, uh-huh. you know. And I started searching through, and I do have a folder called Sky, which is just like if I happen to take a picture of the sky, I just dump it in there. But none of those were quite right, and I was like, Hmm, like there's gotta be pictures from when I was at Yosemite that I can grab a sky from or whatever, you know. Uh, so I just started looking around, but like I'm not gonna actually tag a bunch of pictures every day with the word sky. Cause you can see the sky in them. You know what I mean? Like that just seems I, for me, it just seems like, um, work, make work, work. What's the word I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? It's, it feels like homework. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's, it's like, uh, oh, that was the word
1: you were looking for. <laughs>
0: Well, make work is not, is that make work? Is that the word I'm looking for? I don't, I don't know. What the hell? You know, where people, about? it's like, it's like, the, you don't really have to do this. We're just making you do this because you have nothing else to do. Sort of like in the busy depression, work. they're like busy work. That's, That's what it kind of feels like. Yeah. Busy work. Gotcha. Uh, to me, you know, as far as I'm it's like from, for my way that I use images, mm-hmm. but, but then again, I keep them all nice. And you know, if I'm looking for pictures of Heather, I'm looking for pictures of Malcolm Gladwell. I know where to find that. Cause it's under right. clients this, time magazine, Malcolm Gladwell. Again, but, you know. and then the,
1: the old, the sort of the last, I, I think my final thought on this is that um, it boils down to, and this is actually an interesting point and an interesting concept that, that could warrant further discussion. Um, and that is uh, when you start out making stuff, you, most people anyway, don't really take into consideration the fact that anyone else will ever be looking or messing or, working with their stuff. Right. True. So, you know, the concept of using a, a standardized system that might make sense to somebody else at some point in time in the future, it's usually not, uh, it's not at the top of the list if it's even on the list, you know? Sure. So in a, in a group situation, like let's say it's a company or, 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 you know, a partnership or, you know, who, who knows, whatever, when there are other people involved, that's when things like keywording and other naming, naming conventions and systems and those sorts of things, uh, become important because no i i completely understand I, I had this really funny chat with my with my pal Bob um uh he and his girlfriend uh are out as we speak on this little road trip um and they're doing a really fun sounding project where uh and I'll know more about this as we uh as we move forward because he didn't have an, enough time to fully explain it to me but the the gist of it is this to brief you yeah they they basically came up with this concept where uh they put together a performance piece like a four or five minute like song and dance performance thing where you know bob is a musician and nadine is a a dancer and costume designer and all all sorts of stuff and what they decided to do excuse me is um film this well film I, i hate don't you hate when people say film it i'm gonna film it it's like dude you're not using film You know, and the same thing goes with the word footage there's no, there's no footage here. It's all bits, dude. Get it. Whatever. Anyway, I'm guilty. I say it all the time. Anyway, they are, um, they are recording video (laughs) of themselves performing this piece of theirs, um, using the same exact framing, uh, and you know, in the same sort of same camera, same, same computer, same everything, but they are doing it in a ton of different locations weird. Yeah, so and I think what they're doing is they're basically making <clears throat> um making it easy for them when when the time comes to finish the piece, to edit it, um to give them all sorts of options for intercutting these various locations. Um and I guess depending on how consistent they are with their performance, that could be really cool, you know. So that that yep. sort of takes the whole concept of of compositing to a to a different level where it's like you're not really technically you know you're not changing you're not just changing the background out by like you know selecting the green color and replacing it with the uh, you know with the blue sky and now you're on mars and now you're
0: underwater i i, I <laughs> you know. did a thing years ago where i had my mother walking across the frame of some video uh-huh. and then i recorded it all over our yard uh-huh. and then i edited it all together so she's kind of walking through different scenes mm-hmm. I, i'll put it in the show notes nice Uh, it's, it's a funny little thing.
1: So anyway, but yeah, um, I understand. So, so, so we were talking about that, right? So, so Bob was explaining to me how both he and his girlfriend, um, Nadine is her name, um, are, are pretty handy on the computer. Um, like, you know, they, they both have their own little systems and, and Bob is again, more of a musician audio guy. He's kind of, he's been getting into Ableton live and pro tools and that sort of thing. And I remember years ago starting Nadine off with iMovie. And then she got her hands on Final Cut Pro, and and was even using DVD Studio Pro, which is not the world's most intuitive or or, or fun to use software to make now to make, defunct. Yeah, to make uh, to make projects and stuff. So so now you know they, while they've worked together and collaborated on on things, but they've never really done it uh, in the digital world. And we had this chat, and he's like, "Oh my god, dude." She just, her system makes absolutely no sense to me, you know? And, and, yeah. and she was freaked out by how organized mine was. It gave her anxiety, you know, cause, cause Bob sure. is super anal like that. Um, and I just thought it was really funny and it was a perfect example of, of just how valuable and how important it is when you're working with another person to, uh, to, to, to use a system so that your life, yeah. your life is, is easier.
0: No. And I understand that. And I, that's why I try to keep mine really not just organized, but it makes sense. Like t- the average person could open up my f- drives and actually find stuff, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like your system of letting it do it by date is sort of a little bit anachronistic because unless they knew when you took something, they may never find it.
1: Uh, I guess, but there's also the name, there's a label.
0: Okay. Of, sure. Of who or what okay, it is. So they're going
1: to do, you do a search and spotlight or whatever. Sure. Or you just look, okay. Dude, there's not that much. It won't take you long. Yeah. to look through. Everything. Yeah, I know, but I'm, I'm thinking <laughs> about 20 years from now, you know, well, let's hope that I'm, I get more productive at some point, but for now it's not, uh, there's not a lot to work with it. It's not a, you
0: know, I, I got an email the other day from a, uh, from a prospective client woman uh, who wanted to buy some picture I took of somebody to, for a, for a magazine or something. Mm-hmm. She's like, uh, we have the high resolution files, but they're not very big. Oh, okay. So, well, I'm like, so then you really don't have the high resolution well, files. Well, maybe she has high res files that are just, not high res enough well uh, she had i don't know where she would have gotten said high resolution files because no, well, no one has them but me
1: no you don't know what her definition of high resolution
0: is right 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 it's just i just it just cracked me up she's like we have she could have said you know we have low resolution files but we need bigger ones but no she said we have high resolution files but they're not very big awesome. it's like <laughs> then then you probably don't have high resolution files yeah. People uh People just confused. Well, you know, it's like, oh, man, don't get me started on the whole stupid people resolution thing. Oh,
1: right. You have another uh,
0: blog post or rant on that, too. That's I think that should be, like, required reading for people. Um, it, in digital, if you're not printing stuff, and it's just like even if you are printing stuff, yeah. if you have a digital file, what it says in resolution doesn't matter at all.
1: No, but, Bill, I need it to be uh, 300 DPI, Bill.
0: Well, that's exactly it. Yeah. I need a 300 DPI image of at least this size, and it's like, well, then
1: 300 DPI. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, i I did a project or higher. I can I
1: could take 600 DPI if you have that. Right.
0: Yeah. It's funny because uh, Lightroom defaults to exporting at 240 DPI. No, no, it has
1: to be 300 DPI. I'm sorry. Well,
0: exactly. Mm -hmm. So I sent off a file that was a 21 megapixel file that I hadn't cropped at all, Mm -hmm. and uh, I had just reinstalled Lightroom and it had reset back to 240. Mm -hmm. And without even thinking, I sent her this giant file that was 5,000 5, and a half pixels by 4,000 pixels or whatever the hell mm-hmm. these files are. Mm-hmm. And I get an email back. Um, this isn't high resolution. It's only 240 DPI. Uh-huh. And, and it's kind of like, did you, okay. Did you happen to notice the size of the file yeah, person? okay. <laughs> did you if, see how if, the
1: actual dimensions of the, like it, the inches and the, the, the number of pixels and in this person
0: was a graphic designer. Yeah, it's funny. And it's kind of like okay. First of all, in the time it took you to write the first sentence of this email back to me, yeah. you could have opened up the image settings in Photoshop, unchecked resample image, and type in three hundred in the deep in in the dots per inch.
1: Yeah, and then watch the, the view scale go from sixteen point seven
0: percent to you know seventy two percent or whatever. And it's kind of yeah. like <laughs> okay, th- th- this is y- you're an idiot. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, so I exported it again and I sent it off to her again. Mm-hmm. Oh no no no! It was even better than that. It, I didn't send her two forty. I typed in three hundred DPI, mm-hmm. but somehow the it's it's dots and then there's a per inch that is a drop down that goes down to per centimeter. Okay. By accident, I had sent three hundred dots per centimeter, which means I sent her essentially a nine hundred or eight hundred. <laughs> dpi file yeah you know which she yeah. said wasn't high enough res oh match
1: okay and sure. and i was
0: like oh god you are such an idiot awesome. and it really bothers me because it's like this is what you do for a living you're a graphic designer using digital files yeah. and you don't understand these basic concepts yeah, you know it's a little frustrating Printing like it, with digital files, all that matters how many pixels wide by how many pixels tall it is. Everything else is completely relative. Exactly. I think as I put it in my uh, in the blog post, we'll have to put that in there. Uh-huh. Um, you know, saying uh, you know I I need somewhere that I can go visit that's five hours away right well that doesn't tell me anything unless you tell me if you're going by car or if you're walking or you're taking a jet or the time of day <laughs> right five hours away is san francisco or five hours away is me walking to midtown exactly exactly like this is you is completely meaningless yep. you know a good analogy um and and it's uh so anyway that's oh god that gets me mad <laughs> Well, just because it's like no, it's a really know, basic thing, and, and, and these people have been doing this stuff for years, and it's like they throw around 300 DPI's if they know what they're saying. No, it doesn't
1: matter. I mean, the, the same thing goes when you're printing, you know? I mean, the, yeah. the, my favorite trick, the way I usually handle that stuff is, you, is you, you double-click on the image, it opens up in Photoshop, and the first thing you do is you look at the title bar of that image, of that window, and then you yeah. see what the little number in brackets in percent is, and that will tell you... Really quickly, if what you're looking at is, How big, is, the is image? big or How little, big the image, you, know, you yeah. hit command zero or command, command option zero to look at the actual pixels. If you command option zero and look at it 100% and you're looking at someone's nostril, then then it's a big file. But if you hit command option zero and you know the thing only jumps to half size, then you have a low res file. Simple yeah. as that.
0: Uh, and it's oh god, it's a little pet peeve of mine. I, I just want people. I want people to be good at what they do. Like if that's what you do, yeah, be good at it and understand I, it. I, I can like, respect that. I can respect that. Uh, yeah, people probably hate me for that, but oh, anyway. I, so yeah, I the, hate you for that, Bill. I hate the little hate image, him. the image properties, uh, 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 blog post uh-huh. rant thing. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That that that's required reading. Okay, I'll put it in there. Uh, for sure. We'll put it in the re- we'll put it in the show notes for sure. Um, anything else you got? Let me think, uh, I don't know
1: anything related to this stuff. I, uh,
0: I imported some, uh, mini DV tapes into final cut the other day that I had sitting around Did that you I haven't touched
1: video camera with a mini, like a mini, DV I camera? had a mini
0: DV video camera in the closet. Huh? I think i have one too actually come to think of it and uh and i plugged it in firewire and it hooked up and everything sweet uh although there were a lot more dropouts all right we were talking about that yeah on the tapes than i imagined like i mean they're like 10 years old but there's a good amount of like little hiccups and and loss of time were you using
1: iMovie or final cut pro
0: uh i was using final cut pro although now i kind of wish i had used iMovie to import them is a
1: little bit more forgiving with that shit
0: it is, and uh, Final Cut ended up like every time there's a hiccup in oh, the time code God. or anything that. New time code, It creates new a clip. new clip. Yeah, awesome. So, <laughs> you know, 15 minutes of video of my grandfather becomes like 48 clips. clips yeah. And the, the, some of which are, are 10 and frames you just long. You them
1: into one and then export it and you're done. So I not know Actually,
0: you can't do that. What are you talking about? Well, you can't do that easily. Hey. Claude ended up teaching me that you can use MPEG stream clip to merge them all. Oh, yeah. But there's no easy way. I mean, yeah, I could drag them all one by one into the timeline. Oh, you drag the, the whole folder into the
1: timeline, and then, and then yeah. you drag those, and then you can make a group. You can turn a giant batch of clips into a single like. But group in the clip. event
0: view, they're always going to stay as one. There, there will be a composite clip, but all the yeah. little ones are there, too. Yeah, yeah, I know. So it's kind of annoying. It's like, okay, okay. Well, I, you, I still have a folder full of crap yeah, but
1: when you, when you render it out, then it'll become a file and then you don't need to worry about it.
0: Yeah. Well now I I've rendered it and it's done, but it's just kind of like, it's just stupid. I, I don't want you to break it up into things. Is yeah, there, there should, there should know, be a
1: tolerance knob or like a slider where you can yeah. say like, forgive, you know, one to two frame drops, but you know, if anything greater than five or 10, then, then make a new clip.
0: That yeah. It's like, I'm just importing it. Like I'll cut it up when I get it in there. Yeah. I hit record. I want it to be like a tape deck, you know? Yeah.
1: yeah. Don't you just miss but, tape decks sometimes, man? But
0: nowadays, they, they make everything so fancy. Yeah, fancy. Um. Anyway, so I, I, I'm I'm trying to get this stuff off. Now, if you were going to do that, would you keep the tapes, or would you trash the tapes once you did it? I don't know. I'd probably keep the tapes until... They, I mean, they're just going to degrade at some point, you know? I have 50 dats in the closet. Whoa. And I got rid of my dat deck a couple of years ago, so I'm never going to be... Like, unless I find one, I'm never going to open those up again. Why do I keep them?
1: Uh... I, don't know. I have about I have a little shoebox full of that too. From when I was yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, it's Just
0: it's like, and this gets back to the what we were talking about the other day, where we uh, with the formatting saying yeah, like, yeah, we got you got like to you got to move stuff forward because if you don't, it's going to get left behind. It's true. And I I didn't think that these DV tapes would like not play in parts, and they're not playing in parts. And I didn't have them sitting in the sun; they were in like a box. No, sure, in your closet, you know, in, in a, a cabinet, climate controlled,
1: no dust no smoking, et cetera, et cetera. No, I, I, it's just the nature of the media, man. And I mean, it's reasonable to assume that hard drives are going to be like that 20 years from now too, you know, just because it it works and spins up now doesn't, who knows what the hell it's going to be like in 10, 20 years.
0: It's, it's, it's funny too. Just the idea of using uh, video tape and having to import it single speed Mm -hmm. that one X (laughs) in like real time. Yeah. yeah, Is, is like, Oh man, I got an hour with a video. I just got to sit here and make sure it imports for an hour. Yeah, man. That's how it works. It's 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 funny how far we've come. That's
1: how mix downs used to work, man. Remember back before the days of pro tools oh, when you wanted to, you know, you oh wanted yeah. to mix it, you had to sit there and wait. You had to do it in real time. You hell even pro tools made you do that for a while, for the first time. Oh yeah, like, until it had enough juice. Yeah,
0: yeah no, it absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and you know, if you're doing from tape and then you're you're actually uh doing automation in real time cuz you know, there's you yeah, don't you have, have to, an automated desk or whatever like it is. You actually have to, move the
1: faders yourself with your fingers. Yeah. <laughs> it's,
0: it, like, mixing itself was a performance. I remember.
1: Oh, man, I, I... Do you remember the first time you saw flying faders in action? The whole oh, concept yeah. of automate? That, that, that was so cool, man. Yeah. That blew me away. Uh, right. Yeah.
0: I, I have actually uh, met the guy who invented flying faders. Oh, yeah? Yeah, George Massenberg invented them. He also invented the parametric equalizer. Huh. And not only all of that, mm. but uh, he also uh, has won Grammys for engineering. Uh, and he... Uh, quit college sophomore year and has no real education in any of that stuff
1: that's fine i like guys like that
0: yeah it's good we stuff have him on our podcast uh i can see if i can get george massenberg that might be a little tough well, he's a busy guy well, but uh i'll see what i can do that'd be hilarious we can ask him i built his, i built his first website <laughs> 20 years ago, I wrote, I wrote his company and said, your website's really terrible. 20 I can years ago, you one. did not do Well, it. not 20 1991. years ago, uh, This would be 19 ni- I'm sorry, not 20 years ago, 13 years ago. All right, that's a little more. 14 years ago, 1997. Okay. I, uh, I emailed him cause his website was terrible uh-huh. and I emailed his company uh-huh. saying your website's terrible. I can do a better job. Let me do your thing. I was in college mm-hmm. and, uh, and I get an email back from him.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Saying, Oh, I, I don't really know what I'm doing, et cetera, et cetera. Uh-huh. <laughs> I should try to find that email. That was pretty funny. Cause at the time I was like, it was one of those things where your new email pops into your inbox and it's like from George Massenburg. Nice. And he was like one of my idols. Sure. And I was like, and I kind of, I started sweating before I read it. I was just like, nice. what? wait, oh, George Massenburg. That's you one know of my, my only about.
1: regrets, man. Uh, somehow over the years I managed to misplace a hard drive or two and my whatever you want to call it my digital history is gone from like i don't know 1998 and before you know it starts at like you know i I owned a a handful of computers and i man i remember the days when i was in school and i my email would fit on a floppy disk dude (laughs) and i would literally literally, i had like eudora and my eudora mailbox all on this like little floppy disk that i would just walk up to a computer and pop it in and launch it right off the floppy and check my email and then take it with me. This is like back in the days of pop way before. Sure. And, uh, I, I mean, I I might actually still have that disc sitting around somewhere, but, uh, but you know, there's obviously, I, I, I still, there's a handful of emails I can remember, um, that I would love to reread like stuff that I sent, you know, to, to, you know, early girlfriends and other old friends and, you know, just, attachments and and just funny conversations that I've had and even like phone numbers and addresses from friends that I I've long since lost touch with that I I have no other way of Oh, I found
0: lots of that stuff, oh, man. You know, I I almost feel like what I should do is go into my Windows 7 uh, uh virtual machine. Uh-huh, nice. And install Windows Mail and then import all the old Outlook Express things and export them as something yeah, more usable. Inbox,
1: yeah. Just do Cuz it
0: may not it may be that I can, you know, won't be able to get to those pretty soon. You
1: know, it could like yeah. it stop well, importing old files. I think if the PST format is pretty standard. I'm sure. If yeah, but that's
0: stuff. outlook and outlook Express use a completely different system. Oh, really? Yeah. But I, but speaking of which I also have like a ton of old outlook PST files, mm. which I'm sure have a lot of similar stuff in them. Sure. That I have to figure out a way to like merge. Yeah. But again, I'm going to have to go into a virtual machine. Yeah, outlook. There's, there's, load there's them dudes all. out
1: there that have written little like super basic tools and utilities that are designed to do just that
0: yeah you know? yeah but the outlook express stuff i really should probably go in and do that because that you know that might not be there for long mm. anyway so yeah moving your stuff forward uh who has time to do this stuff too i don't know that's why you got to do it when you're when you're in the middle of it and not while you're doing leave it. it for years exactly <sighs> okay well i think that that was fun yeah we probably bored everybody today but totally totally it was boring. a heavy one
1: not heavy, but thick. Yeah, you you laid in some t- into some serious techno jargon and mumbo. Also some jumbo. There's some. Yeah, but jumbo people
0: like sometimes people like the technical stuff. It's true.
1: I mean, it's a bit. It's a nice contrast from uh, from last week's episode with Brian.
0: So, if you want to get a hold of us, dot TV. Uh, we are at CircConv on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, we also,
1: uh, ple- I'm going to just throw this out here. I know you didn't, you didn't want to do this, but uh, we also have an email address. So if you want to get a hold of us in, in in not in a not so public fashion, you know, like not by putting a comment on on the blog sure. post and not by posting a uh, an at response or at reply on Twitter, uh, you can also send an email to circuitousconversations at gmail.com. Excellent. Um, we do check that email address from time to time. Um, and and while we're talking about business business um we just took a peek at our itunes music store page and we're happy to report that there are a few more reviews and ratings on there and thank you very much for you folks who have done that and if anyone else feels the urge or has a moment to spare to click on that little four or five star rating thingy or if you want to go so far as to write a line or two about your thoughts we would uh we would appreciate it and We'd love to hear it. You know, and, and, and if you guys have any feedback, any ideas like more special guests or stop having these strange people who we don't care about on or, you know, more tech talk or less Mac stuff or whatever, just
0: please uh, let us know because we care. Yeah, we care. Yeah, I can We won't. I can't. I can't. You know, we can't promise we're going to listen to you, though. I, I promise. You promise? I promise. I will listen. Yeah, but will you respond the way they want you to? I can't. I'm sorry. I can't come. Didn't think so. All right, till next week.
1: Later.